0: Like people are still finding this, that's incredible. You know, like for, for something to be fresh and brand new to someone that I made almost a year and a half ago is crazy. And I've been doing this forever and it still blows my mind when that happens. I'm like, yes, extra, you know, like extra distance from an old video. And that's why I say with business and professionals, um, entrepreneurs and stuff like that, it, it makes more sense even because a lot of what we're doing doesn't change a ton over time at its core
1: what is up intentional business builders welcome back to the podcast this is episode 109 i'm your host justin green today i have a really fun conversation with Dan Bennett for you. Dan is the video for entrepreneurs guy. He is everything from storytelling, creating video, how to look better on camera, and how to use video to improve your business, not just to get followers and likes and, you know, grow your audience, but actually turn it into profit. The conversation's so good it does run a little bit longer than the last couple interviews. So, let's just hit those disclaimers right now and dive right in justin green is the founder of assist fp a registered investment advisor in the state of massachusetts colton etherton is a financial advisor and founder of out of the office planning a registered investment advisor in the state of oregon this podcast is for informational purpose only and is not advice all opinions expressed by the host or their guests are solely theirs and do not reflect assist fp or out of the office planning talk to your advisor if you have any questions dan thanks so much for coming on the show
0: yeah, happy to do it. Uh, it's the end of my day. So this is like recess.
1: Cool. Me too. Actually, I got one more recording after this. Uh, I don't know how it snuck in so late, but uh, but we'll get it done. So let everyone know, where are you calling in from?
0: I am, uh, I say North Fort Worth. I uh, moved to Texas a couple years ago and people from here don't really know where I live. <laughs> so the post office says Fort Worth, but I'm not in the proper city. So little North.
1: Gotcha. So Dallas area, right? For yeah, us DFW DFW. Safe to say, cool. yeah,
0: <laughs> Dallas Fort cool. Worth area. Yeah, uh,
1: big time for that area right now with the the Rangers going to uh, the World Series.
0: Yeah, a lot of happy uh, bar goers. That's for sure. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Cool, man. Well, I'm excited to dive in. You are the video expert. Uh, video for entrepreneurs is your your site, your um, tagline, I guess. And uh, so I'm really excited to, to hear more about. One, how did you even get started with that? Like, what's your background? Kind of dive into that. I've been doing video for a couple of years now. And I go back and look at my original videos and they're, they're cringeworthy, right? And so I, I think, obviously, you know this, I know this, but the trend is just going to keep growing. Like, if you're not on yeah. video now you've got to get on video, you've got to start somewhere. So I'm super excited to bring this to my audience, Uh, but like, give me a little bit of background, like who's Dan Bennett, how did you become video for entrepreneurs guy?
0: Yeah, uh, the short version is I was doing a lot of uh, film and television work and corporate work back in the day. So I was the guy that actually went and filmed and then uh, edited and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, 2017, you know, I was at the end of about a year and a half run of flying all over the country and doing all this work for big recognizable brands. Um, but I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. So I'd end up back in the city that doesn't have a lot of resources saying, how do I help people here? I just went and helped Harley Davidson make a bunch more money. How do I help people? I actually care about my own backyard. And 2017, it just kind of dawned on me like, okay, well, if I can help people film themselves and do it at a high quality level that might level the playing field a little bit, and then we can just facilitate the parts they either can't do or don't want to, i.e. script writing, you know, strategy, uh, editing, distribution, whatever it was that they needed help with after the fact. And it worked. And then the uh, pandemic kind of expedited the process and moved my business into doing the exact same thing, only remotely. So I help people get all the right gear, drop ship it in, help them set it up, and they can be anywhere in the world. So it was really trying to solve the problems of small businesses around me that couldn't afford to hire me outright.
1: So you were early. I mean, 2017, what like, what made you see the trend that was coming? Because I, I mean, you're right, it really expedited during COVID, but you were a couple of years early.
0: Yeah, I th- I think, because um, I always say uh, the shutdown is the first time I've ever been ahead of the curve in my entire career. <laughs> Um, but really it was all right there in front of us. So because I was doing large corporate work, but I was a small business owner, I could see the gap between those two things mm-hmm. and large corporations have been using story development and brand integration into video and stuff for ever. I mean, almost a hundred years. So like, I already saw what was possible through that. It just cost a lot to produce. And sure. then as I was producing my own content, I'm like well, you don't have to have a cinema camera. You don't have to have a shotgun mic. You could have a DSLR and a decent mic. And that was just to create my own stuff. And then I started realizing like, man, I think anyone could do this. And I was in um, a dedicated office building where you just rent your space monthly. Mm -hmm. And I had this entire setup. Um, There's a guy named Caleb on YouTube. Shout out to Caleb. I don't know him personally, but uh, I followed a video of his where he had everything uh, hooked to a sentry stand, but instead of feet, it had wheels. So it almost looked like an IV cart. (laughs) And Uh I had the camera, a big, uh, panel light. That was really light, a microphone that extended out where you just couldn't see it out of frame. And I could walk around anywhere in that building with that IV cart, turn everything on and make a really high quality video with anything as my background. And during the shutdown, we actually offered free videos to those who were deemed essential. So a lot of restaurants and stuff, and one time a DDA uh, manager, brought us in to do five restaurants in a day. And I literally just walked around town all day with that IV <laughs> IV cart on wheels and set people up in front of it and cranked out videos all day. So it was kind of that mobility and the fact that you could do something, especially with decent editing, um, without spending a lot and with just a little bit of strategy and, and forethought. And then the end product would make people go like, whoa, who filmed that for you? And you could say, I did.
1: So you've mentioned three things and I'm curious which one's more important. So you mentioned scripting slash storytelling, uh, the actual recording, right? The quality of the recording and then the editing, which one of those three is the most important?
0: Oh yeah. Um, I'm going to say storytelling. I always tell people that it's really the work that I do is story development. Uh, video is a vehicle that takes that story where it's going and I rely on that. I rely on that, that vehicle heavily. Uh, but it's storytelling. One of my favorite ways to like, I'm a metaphor and analogy guy. It's the only way I know how to learn or teach. Uh, just happen to be lucky that it's a decent way of uh, getting information across. I always say it's the medicine and the cheese. So the uh, veterinarian says, get your dog to take this pill. Dog won't take the pill. You shove it in a piece of cheese. Dog takes the pill. Uh, the cheese is video and the pill is storytelling. So no matter what product we sell people, I really am at the core of it, just continuously tricking people into telling better stories. So that's where my vote goes.
1: Interesting. I, I don't know if I would have expected that answer. Uh, I am on your newsletter, so I know you talk a lot about storytelling. Uh, but it says video for entrepreneurs, right? So I, I think I yeah. would have guessed uh, either quality of video or editing. So that, that's super interesting. Um, let's go down that road, that that, that route then a little bit more. Like, How did you learn... So, I mean, you said you were the camera guy or like you were doing the recording. So how did you learn the storytelling side?
0: Uh, to be honest, I've always been a metaphor and analogy person, um, even being an engineer like 100 years ago. I was you were an fascinated engineer. by. Yeah, Oh <laughs> yeah. <man. laughs> Uh mechanical, low level mechanical engineer for a long time. Uh, yeah, many, many years ago. Gotcha. But um, what what kind of got me into that position? Because I hated that career. It paid well. I was good at it, but I hated it was that I was good at drafting in high school, and my teacher was like, you should maybe pursue this path. And then I spent five years in an industry where I never got to create anything from scratch. I just repurposed drawings for new clientele all the time. And I'm like, this isn't what high school was like, this is terrible. And then I realized that halfway through my degree, I'm pulling a four point, I'm studying hard, I'm doing all this stuff. And I found out my professor made less than I did at the time, and I'm like, where am I heading with this degree? Cause he's got yeah. the same degree. So, and that's kind of when I shifted careers and got away from that. But. Um, some of that, like process and things being in line t- for an end result that works well, repeatably still shows its face every now and then in my work. Um, but I, even in like tech math classes and stuff like that, that I had to take for that degree, things sunk in when someone told me a story, like, here's a real world application of why right triangles matter and how you can measure the distance across a bog or something, you know, just some random stuff. My teacher would say, I'm like that. I understand. And I was also in a touring rock band at the time. And all of my lyrics and stuff were all about trying to convey some sort of story to people. Um, so it was always just kind of around me and it was the way I learned well. So when I spoke, I always kind of spoke in story. Um, a lot of metaphor and analogies, similes, just anything to help someone understand what I was saying easier than me having to be so good and proficient at it that I could articulate it well. So I always got around that by telling stories.
1: Okay, first off, only an engineer would say that right angles matter. That's such an engineer (laughs) thing to say. Um, Second off, I've never had this go so many different ways I didn't expect in the first like five minutes of recording. So, engineering, and then you were in a rock band. And then, so (laughs) that's so crazy. I didn't expect that. Uh, I'm curious though. So, like, could you walk us through like a storytelling, not an example, but like, Someone who who's not familiar with storytelling, maybe they're on camera. Like, could you walk us through how they could learn how to do that better, or is there like a formula you have that tends to work overall? Like, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Story Brand by Donald Miller. I know that one. Yeah. I don't know if uh, you have a similar one to that or something like that
0: uh not really like i don't know donald as a person obviously but i tend to push people in a little bit of a different direction because sure. that's a little bit of a like mad lib fill in the blanks now you got a story thing mm-hmm. i'm glad it exists and i'm glad he's out there telling people stories are important um but i was just sharing uh, something very similar at an in-person networking event the other day and it goes something like this um I, I went to get a bowl of cereal and the milk was gone i'm sure you've been there and you're like oh man i'm just gonna eat something else and i was like no i really really want this cereal i'm just gonna go down to the corner market and and get some milk so i jump in my car and i'm driving down the road and this uh truck cuts me off like bad and it's two lanes and he didn't need to come over into mine anyway and i was like what's going on it's one of those big old trucks you know and you can imagine and uh i ended up kind of tailgating him for half a second because he cut me off so bad i had to get on the brakes and then a big old middle finger comes out the window at me and i'm like hold on i'm confused you cut me off And now you're mad at me because I'm on your tail and you're flipping me off. Like, this is an interesting, you know, thing that's going on here. So anyway, he takes off, goes down the way. I pull into Walmart. I get my milk. You know, I come home and my partner, Jax, is sitting there and I tell her like, you'll never believe what just happened. And I tell her the same story I just told you. Now, I could have said I went to the corner store and got some milk and you'll know that I got milk. So I eventually got to have my cereal. But hopefully in that little story, I put you in the seat next to me. And I bet some people could even imagine, and we won't share what we think, but we could imagine what that driver might have looked like or how big the tires on that truck might have been, or maybe even what it sounded like as it sped in front of me and cut me off. And I think that's what I try and convey to all of my clients and, and students is you can use some of the frameworks that are generally known for fiction and shove real life into them. So one of my favorites is the story spine, uh, made popular by Pixar and Disney. They didn't invent it, but they're popular for Mm -hmm. using it once upon a time until something changes and then this, and because of that, something new. And because of that new thing, something new until one day we arrive somewhere. And ever since then, this is the way it's been. You can put your product in there, your client in there, yourself in there, your upcoming event in there. And it gives just enough framework to squeeze something into, but what that thing is that you squeeze in can really be real life, your own experiences. Your own expertise. It doesn't always have to be once upon a time in the sense of fiction. So I like both. I like just telling real world stories for relatability, and then I like using popular frameworks and reminding people it doesn't have to be fiction for these things to work.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. That very simple story. I like. I could feel you tailgating the person. Like I feel. Yeah. <laughs> like, I could feel you getting cut off and tailgating because I live in Massachusetts, so that's like a you know daily thing for us. Um, <laughs> And my wife always tailgates people and I tell her to stop because I'm like holding the dashboard because I'm from a small town in <laughs> upstate New York um, and we just drive on country roads. But I could feel that and it's such a simple story and you're right. Like you go from I went to the store to get milk to, you know, just a 90-second story maybe, but it completely changed the way I saw it. I would have never pictured you going to the store to get milk. Yeah. And so exactly. I'm kind of... I'm processing it live right now of like, Ooh, that was, that was powerful. And that was such a small, like non-meaningful example. Um, So I can see how that would come across in, in video now. So in my mind, I'm thinking like, I can obviously see for like a YouTube video, how that's going to play out, right? Like a a 10 minute YouTube video, having a story, kind of keep people hooked in, the but then I think I heard that recently like but then is kind of another storytelling prompt I might have seen it in your newsletter mm-hmm. to be honest with you um but like what about like short form videos how powerful is storytelling in those the like 30 to 90 second videos
0: yeah what you can reduce down to there um, is beginning middle and end and again the permission I always try and give people is that doesn't mean you know, again, once upon a time, and then, and it all ended up this way, it literally can just be uh, hooking someone into what they're about to hear, telling them the thing, and then reminding them of what they just told you, which is a very common practice with like, um, keynote speaking and stuff like that. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, tell them what you just told them. It can work for really short format stuff. Um, In my line of work, I work with a lot of professionals and entrepreneurs and stuff. So those short format videos are generally leading people to something more but Mm -hmm. they're still like applicable and actionable. Um, So I might have a video that's like five tips on how to increase your camera presence without spending any money. And then each one of those one minute tips in that five minute video could be a one minute video. And so I try and orchestrate things to where the whole video makes sense, but I can also chop parts out if I need. And then that one minute thing still has a beginning, middle and end. So if you look at my whole video, it's like beginning and end. And then in the middle is just five waves of beginning, middle and end. And there might be Mm -hmm. something in the middle that tries to keep people around, maybe the best tip I gotta say for last, something like that. But it really is very straightforward because it's how we communicate already. So I think a lot of times people put pressure on themselves to tell great stories and it's gotta be a thing and it really doesn't have to. So one of the things that I talk about is um, doing breathing exercises before you get on camera to just bring some confidence in, slow things down. And one of those tips is hit record and don't start talking. So my one minute version could be, all right, here's a tip for how to increase your camera presence without spending any money. Hit record and don't do anything. I'll tell you why it matters in a minute. But when you hit record and don't do anything, you give your brain a second to not feel rushed. This is our time. We've planned for this, this makes sense. I got bullet points over here I can check. I'm editing this later so I can do multiple takes if I don't like one. And when I give myself that permission, my brain starts behaving differently. So now I'm feeling really good If I do five videos in a row where I hit record and wait 30 seconds before I start talking, I'm finding a rhythm now and maybe two or three weeks into that kind of practice. Now I'm showing up with more confidence. And even if it's just 5% more confidence, I'm making better videos because that confidence translates through the screen. If you want to know more about that, I got this video over here of five more tips, just like it, go check it out. You still can have that beginning, middle and end of what it's like to put that into practice. And the whole video is just five of those right in a row.
1: Hmm. That's good. You really have to think about scripting that then like that. Like you, you've got to spend a yeah. good amount of time to be able to build those mini stories into the bigger story, I guess, for a, la- a lack of better way of putting that.
0: Yeah. What, and it's like, worth doing that work. It's worth doing that work. I really want to dive sure into could... that because
1: I'm so bad at that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, there's almost always, um, and I don't want to make this sound easier than it is because with practice and stuff, you get better. Simple, but if you do easy, five... right? hundred percent. I, I say that so often, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost always like the cream rises to the surface, right? If you were to make a video on your subject matter expertise and you gave five tips around a thing There's gonna probably be one of those five that's like a really good one. People always say, oh, I never knew that. Or like, man, I'm glad you shared that with me. Maybe that's the one you saved for last. That's a big payoff. I got five tips and man, you're gonna wanna see the fifth one. Let's dive in, that sort of thing. So you're already telling a little bit of a story because you're opening a loop. Hopefully people wanna close that loop and get to the end. Um, And then beyond that, those tips can start to have stories within them. So one tip for my camera presence might be, Hit and record and giving yourself 30 seconds to not do anything because we're not in a rush. And then one tip is breathing exercises. Well, you could do those during your 30 seconds, right? So now two clips are feeding into one another. And if you just look at what you're talking about, sometimes they expose the story within them automatically just because you're looking for it. And so I like to take advantage of the way the human brain works all the time. Uh, my newsletter that just came out, uh, earlier today was all about psychology around camera presence. And I dove into that hard because so many things we have a little bit of control over when it comes to our brain. So why not set ourselves up for success? Right. And one of those things, um, that I talked about was like, you know, affirmations, like these silly things that can feel weird to do. Like I might just crush this video and it might help someone and I might get 20% more views than I usually get. I'm feeling kind of good today you know, does it work every time? Maybe not. Does it feel a little weird to do? Yeah, probably. But is it worth trying? I mean, it could be, right? So a lot of times, just the components of what you already know inside and out, you'll start to see stories within, and I call it the frequency illusion. So like you buy a a red minivan, you start seeing that minivan everywhere. It's scientifically proven that that's a phenomenon and frequency illusion is just a nickname for it. So I tell people, start thinking more about story. You'll start seeing story you'll see little things you didn't notice in your favorite tv shows or when you listen to a podcast or you'll tell a story a little bit differently or a little better in person because you're thinking about story and that you want to get better at it as you do that it doesn't solve all your problems but it might make you look at your five tips and go oh if i rearrange those that one makes sense before this one and then that's the big payoff just that little adjustment could keep someone hooked for the whole five minutes so it is difficult and you get better with time, but if you start thinking about doing it on purpose, it's it's worth the work.
1: Yeah, and I would say, and I think you'd probably agree with this, is like, it's just going to take repetitions. So yeah. anyone who's listening and like, I can, they're just thinking like, I can't do that. It's like, okay, well you just got to make your first video. Start there, yeah. right? Like, don't want to discourage anyone. Start there, just, you know, create the first script and kind of you know, to your point, look for it, right? You start to think about a story, you look for it. Um, lately, I've been kind of diving into copywriting. I've been reading on it. And then I've got, actually, that's my fitness coach, but they send out emails. And as I'm reading, them, I'm going, ooh, he's really good at this. Like, you know, I'm, now I'm recognizing like really good copy. And uh, we're friends as well. We've grown to be friends. I text them all the time. And I'm like, dude, you got to like tell me more about how you're writing these, right? Um, and so it's, it's kind of the same thing and he uses a lot of stories. That's why his copy is actually good is he's, he's really good at kind of what you just did with the the milk and the store example of being like, just like whatever happened yesterday, he kind of tells the story and then that turns into why you need fitness and nutrition advice. Like he's really good at intertwining that, um, into the story. So yeah, you know, anyone who's listening to that, like start first, like don't get, in your head about this, I wish I had seen your newsletter before we hopped on today. Um, I, I just pulled it up now, but I'm a, I'm a, I love learning about psychology. I'm a money guy, so it's, psychology and money tends to be where I lean. But uh, yeah. once you learn about psychology in any aspect, you can start to apply it or recognize it in other fields, fitness, uh, videography, etc. Um, so I, I can't wait to dive into that.
0: Yeah, yeah that's why I love stories so much. I mean. It's built into us and we don't have to like invent it, right? It's it's ancient. Uh, You're told stories from the womb, you know, hand a baby to mom. She starts singing and bouncing and cooing and you're already telling a story. We've heard stories our whole lives and it's how we, you know, relate to each other. It's when we put a label on it, we're like, oh, well, I'm not Stephen King. Like I'm not a prolific writer. I'm not good at storytelling. I was on a call with a, a client a few days ago. Who was like, I'm a terrible storyteller. You know how some people you go to a party and they just tell great stories. I've never been that person. I'm like, well, what makes you say terrible? Because saying I'm not the greatest is one thing, but saying I'm terrible is, is different. And she went on to tell me a story about like going on stage in elementary school and she froze up and it was this terrible thing. And. You know, I, I didn't go on stage again for a long time. It actually was like a theater teacher in high school who kind of you warmed know, me back up to the idea of performing. And she got done telling me why she thought she was terrible. I'm like, you just told a really compelling story <laughs> right there. I'm glad we're recording this because I'm going to give you the recording and let you see it. And she was like, oh, well, that's because I wasn't thinking about it. And I'm like, that is where repetition comes in to where you're doing it without really thinking that's where the practice comes in. But being storytellers, most humans already are pretty good at it.
1: Mm, that's interesting. And probably because she was telling a real story, it was easier for her yep. than the thinking about I need to create a story. Yeah, Because I could see that being a, a hurdle for myself as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I could have broke her brain right there and said, cool, go script that and make a video about it It'd make a great video. That probably would have been the worst thing I could say, right? Yeah. well, I, I don't even remember what I just said or whatever. It, it is kind of capturing those two things. I, one of the, I always say I'm tricking people into telling better stories. One of the tricks I play on my uh, cohort students, video content pros, where they're learning like strategy and how to become better on camera once they got their uh, equipment dialed in is the very first homework on the very first day is um, making two videos. You can't use your rig. You have to use your smartphone and that's it. And the first video is just talking about your favorite food. It could be the dish, the cuisine, the, the country you had it in, your grandma. That's mine. My grandma's pumpkin pie. Holy crap. Um, and then the second video is to make a bad video on purpose. And the whole content of that video is to tell me why it's bad. So generally, those videos look like it's dark. I'm in my closet. I'm filming from way up here. You can't see my face. You know, And they're telling me all the reasons it's bad. Both those videos always end up being great. And then three weeks into the program, we're making videos that are more scripted and a little bit more business oriented and all that stuff. And they're like, man, this is hard. And I suck on camera and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you don't. And I hold up that old video where they're great on camera because it's not scripted and they're not worried about it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's definitely getting the reps in after you understand that and getting closer and closer to just not caring so much. Which That's is pretty powerful. said than done.
1: <laughs> I'm curious, like once you show them that, what happens then Like for most people. I, I
0: think, yeah, I think most people, um, get it. I, I really do. Um, it's like, I I've never had anyone, at least in the cohort go, well, yeah, but it's generally, oh man. Yeah, you're right. Like I, you know, and it's because you'll do things like when, when I made my first one, I was asking for feedback and critique from my students. And they're like, you know, what really got me about your video, about your grandma's pumpkin pie was you paused and you closed your eyes for a second. And you're like, I can like almost smell it right now. I love, man, I got goosebumps thinking about it. Even right now on this show, um, loved eating that and spending that time in the kitchen and stuff. And they were giving me feedback. of like, you went slow. You paused, you closed your eyes for half a second. I could see you remembering it, you know, and those are things that you don't necessarily script. But if you're thinking about telling great story, you might have your outline or script and then deviate for a second and just be yourself and then come back to script and keep going. And that Mm. just makes it even better.
1: That's so interesting because when you even hinted at it being your grandma's pumpkin pie, I was like, ooh, there's a story there. I want to hear it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, as soon as you were just like, oh, it's my grandma's pumpkin pie and you moved on. I was like, ooh, the way he said (laughs) that, like, I feel like I need to know why. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you were the guru for a reason. I mean, you're the wizard, the wizard of this. Um, I'm curious, kind of pivoting a little bit. Yeah. So you had a podcast of your own for like a hundred episodes and you called it the, the antipreneur show. Yeah. What does that mean?
0: (laughs) It was so funny, man. Like, um, when I was running the show, I'd get asked more frequently than I do now. And I would always say, man, I wish the story was a little bit better, (laughs) but, um, I was making content in 2017 before rolling out what's now video for entrepreneurs in three hour uh-huh. studio. I was doing sure. it in person and be- right before that happened, I was just really frustrated with the state of things. Like I mentioned earlier and wanting to help more people. And, um, I had just come from a meeting and this will sound like a name drop, but I swear it's not, uh, cause it's actually going to lead into why I hate that kind of stuff. I was just home fresh from a meeting with Gary Vaynerchuk and, we had talked Oh, about, that's
1: like, a big name drop. St- I, know, <laughs> right? I was just messing with you. <laughs>
0: um, and it was like, uh, it, it was validation of everything I was already doing, which was cool because it was a, a personal meeting. It wasn't, you know, like an event or something where I had them off to the side. <laughs> so I actually got to ask real questions, spend time, get feedback. And it, it almost was disheartening because I left with like, you're doing the right things, man. And it's like, oh, I was hoping there'd be some magic, you know magic bean I could go home and plant Mm. but anyway I was was home uh fresh off from that and really thinking about what what bothers me in in the world of kind of digital entrepreneurship and some of the sliminess you see in gurus and stuff like that and um I was talking about my age I'm 43 I was born in 80 and uh it it was a great time to be growing up because I rode my bike skinned my knees had to be home when the streetlights came on and then the internet came out while I was still young enough to fully absorb it Mm. so I got the best of both worlds like old you know, back roads, riding my BMX to I'm in a band and I make my own merch and websites and all that stuff, you know, like I could do both. And uh, I was thinking about how we were at a a stage in 2017, kind of what I call the rise of the guru um, on at least like, you know, Instagram and YouTube and stuff like that. And uh, I was talking about how, you know, like I say, someone says, what do you do? And I say, I'm an entrepreneur. When I was coming up, I would say that and they're like, Oh, you don't have a job, huh? That's what they would say. If you said you're an entrepreneur and then fast forward to 2017, someone would say, what do you do? I'm an entrepreneur. I am building a business or I got a startup or whatever. What do you do? And they'd say, Oh, I'm an entrepreneur too. It's like, cool. What do you do? What's your business model? Oh, I got 5,000 Instagram followers. Like, cool. So you're like a influencer. Do you work with sponsors? Like, no, I I have 5,000 Instagram followers and nothing against influencers but that's not an entrepreneur that Mm -hmm. that specific layout i just gave and so i was getting irritated at at seeing these people who had large followings but didn't have any substance to a business calling themselves entrepreneurs because i'm like you know back in my day (laughs) um so in the middle of one of those rants just making like a vloggy type video for my small audience i was like you know what forget that like entrepreneurs become this sexy term everyone just wants to say and not even earn it i'm not an entrepreneur i'm an anti-preneur how about that and i just put the, the video out and my little audience resonated with it. It was like, what'd you say? What's that mean? Where'd that come from? And I'm like, it's just anti-magic pills, silver bullets, anti-snake oil, you know, just that kind of stuff. I like a story about some unknown industrial complex building with four employees that makes $10 million a year that no one knows who they are. You know, like I, business is business, whatever. And then it kind of caught on. So then it made sense when it was time for a podcast or to roll out my personal brand, social medias, just to roll with it because everyone was kind of used to it. So... I was the antipreneur there for a while. I still love it, um, kind of put it to bed when we had a uh, business conference, sponsored, sold, speakers coming in, tickets already selling right before shutdown. Mm-hmm. And then we had to refund everyone, made the smart choice in retrospect of shutting the whole thing down. And that was the Antipreneur exchange. Um, and it was my answer to all the bad conferences I'd been to. So let's do it in a really cool way. So it's retired. That. You should revive it's retired, but man, I'm, I'm really interested in, uh, yeah, definitely bringing that back around because it, it came from doing, working with, uh, really great people who were keynote speakers and MCs and, and conference leaders and stuff. And I would film for them at these conferences, but I'd only work about four or six hours in a whole three days. And then I would have a press badge. So I would just go to all the breakout meetings and all the little side workshops and all the stuff people ignore because someone famous is on stage and get all the good stuff, but then notice all the ticket sales were because of this fluffy, nonsense, inspirational stuff. And I'd always go home, and after going to like 15 of those, I was like, man, I think we could do this better. <laughs> and I'll save the story of what it was going to be for another time, but we were we were all in on it, and so you, it was called the Antipreneur Exchange.
1: You never did the event at all?
0: No. Everything except literally have it.
1: <laughs> Dang. You should do yeah. it. That sounds like it would be a really cool event. I mean, I know events are You see them everywhere, but it's always the same people. It's always, especially the big ones. It's always the same, the same people on stage every time. Um, you know, it's just the the biggest and loudest people on social media. So I think that would be super cool. I was interested in the name because, you know, as a finance guy, I I work with a lot of online coaches. I started with online health and fitness coaches. I've kind of expanded to just online coaches, consultants, business owners in general. Um, and they fall victim to a lot of the the salesy, the schemey, the, you know, just do it this way and you'll be at 10K overnight and then you'll, you know, hire a team and scale and da-da-da-da. And then I started actually talking to these individuals once I launched my own firm. And I was like, I'm hearing from more people who this is hurting than this is helping, right? Like you'll yeah. get your outliers that are successful from this. But uh, for the most part, like nine out of 10 people, this is really hurting them and putting them into significant debt. And then there's that one person who it, it worked for. And honestly, they probably would have been successful without the framework. Like they just, you can tell they're wired to be an entrepreneur yeah. um, and they're just being really loud about it working for them. So there's that survivorship bias there. Um, and so I, when I saw the name, I was like, Ooh, I really like that. I want to hear the story because, you know, I, I, it's tough, you know. the The hustle culture is is big right now, and I'm like, I'm I'm growth minded. I'm all for like working hard, but I also have a seven month old daughter. Like, yeah, it's different yeah. than when you're 25 and you have no kids, and you know, there's like, it, it's just different, right? And so I I, I love working with. Um, individuals who who are, are more intentional with what they're building and maybe intentionally staying smaller. So they have that freedom to, you know, spend time with their family or they don't want to neglect their health, you know, things like that. Um, and so I, that's kind of where my head went was like, oh, I call it, we call it, um, my business partner and I, we call it intentional business owners. Uh, but I, I kind of like, when I heard on Antipreneur, I was like, Ooh, I yeah. want to hear that. Cause it sounds, <laughs> it seems similar in my head.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He, he's still in there. Uh, it sounds weird talking in third person, but he's still in there. And like, um, it still drives all of my decision-making and creation. It's all about, um, pushing back against the status quo because that's only good for 2% of the people. And exactly what you said. That's why I love, we don't have to go down a rabbit hole, but that's why I love YouTube so much as a platform. So on the one end where you're talking about intentional business owners, is so cool. I'm having conversations with them a lot about leveraging YouTube. And the first thing I ever hear is like, well, I'm not a YouTuber. I'm like, that sounds like a job title. Now I'm talking about a platform to put our videos on in a strategic way. It's a different thing. Right. And then on the other end of that spectrum, I work with people who popped off creatively and then when they're like hiring us for editing services and stuff like that, they want to bolt on strategy from our service offerings because they're not business owners. There's someone who started making money from creation and then got to a point to where they're like, we've got no systems in place. We need more help. Mm. Ah, this wasn't supposed to be a business. And so I see both sides of it and I want to help both sides because what's in the middle is a whole bunch of noise and people who have enough gurus they can go listen to and try and do what they did, you know, but there's just, in my opinion, there's nothing worse in the world of business than like, here's how I did it for me and my personality and my audience. Here's how you can do the same thing. Like what? (laughs) I'm not you. I don't live where you're at. I don't have your connections. How will I ever implement this thing and get to where you are? It's impossible. That's why I love what I do because I'm just a facilitator. I'm just someone who helps you learn how to ride the bike. (laughs) Like Mm. you get good on video and you have that skill set for the rest of your life. I don't need you to do what I did because you probably don't want to go become a video production company owner or an agency owner and go through all that headache. You just want to make great videos. Let's just give you enough to do that.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. By the way, I would totally go down that YouTube rabbit hole if you wanted to do that. Um,
0: yeah, I love it. Um, tell for me, anything.
1: like, let's talk about, I like the first line you said. So like, let's focus on the business owner who is not a creator, but why yeah. is YouTube so beneficial for them? Because lately my belief is YouTube is very beneficial for that person.
0: Yeah a hundred percent and you know you'll hear things sometimes like uh the tiktok al- algorithm is still positioned for growth you can get a lot of views there even if you kind of don't know what you're doing or you're just following trends or whatever and that's true but no one ever talks about like i know over a dozen people personally with over a million followers on tiktok who don't make hardly any money from it so attention alone doesn't really mean that much right so for sure the thing about youtube for me is that it's Built to be evergreen in nature. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing something where you help people in ways where a good chunk of what you teach, help with whatever your skill set is, doesn't change much, man, it's a great place to be. Mm. Think of something ancient, like woodworking. Okay. There might be new epoxies and resins. There might be new ways to source lumber. There might be online stores to give you little bits and pieces or whatever, new tools from companies. But that's like 15%. The other 85 is still craftsmanship, good quality wood, final product that doesn't fall apart, right angles. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I think so many people who run businesses of all kinds, even if it's a widget business and you sell a thing, um, are really, really missing out on educating around that, introducing people to it, getting attention. Um, I know it gets thrown around all the time, but it's true. YouTube is essentially a search engine for people trying to solve problems. So like, what if the problem is, how to retire a little earlier and you're the financial planner that's got a great channel and they watch a couple of your videos and they're like man this guy sounds like he knows me and then you get on the call and they hire you like that is an incredible trust building exercise to see someone's face hear their words look at a video they did six months ago and look at one they did yesterday and go man this guy's it's the same guy like he knows his stuff he's just churning it out um there's so much that can come from it And the biggest hurdle, like I said, for me is a entrepreneur or professional going, I'm not a YouTuber and me saying, we don't have to go out on the street and do pranks. We don't got to give away $10,000. We don't even have to have a super fast, crazy edit. We just need a B minus of how awesome you are in real life. We need like 80% of what it's like to actually meet and work with you. And that's a grand slam. B minuses are not that hard to achieve. So I think we can do it. And here's the platform to leverage it. And then there's other things we can get into, you know, f- where uh, growth can come from and you can like set yourself up for success as opposed to just putting out videos for no reason. But if you're going to make video content anyway, I really feel like it should live there too.
1: So it's really interesting. I agree with everything you've said. By the way, there is a guy I follow who is that financial planner putting out videos for retirement. And I'm not, they're not bad videos. Like I don't want to say that. But they're not, like, crazy. You can tell that he's put time into what he's going to say and and that. But he just sits there kind of like I am. It's a little bit more of a uh, – like, there's more mood in the background, you can tell. But he just sits there and he talks for 10 minutes. And nothing crazy. He has blown up, like, his – and it's led to a lot of business success, right? So, like, to your point, TikTokers can get a million and, like, they're – like. Okay, what are you doing with it? Nothing. Whereas these views on YouTube for him have led straight to like, oh, I need to hire more advisors because I'm getting X amount of uh, incoming leads a week because they're seeing him. They're learning to trust him. They're seeing how he would handle a situation, a situation that they're probably either facing or they know they're facing soon as a pre-retiree. And so that trust is being built over a couple of videos, but I would imagine, and I don't know him personally, but I would imagine for the first year, those videos probably didn't do well. And I think that's probably where most business owners give up yeah. if I had to yeah. guess.
0: Hey, you're hundred percent right. And the good news slash bad news there is that that's video anywhere. Uh, so the good news is if that's video anywhere, um, why not leverage YouTube? bad news is that's video anywhere um things will pop off you'll have happy accidents um but it's really but but youtube lives a long
1: it lives a much longer life from what i understand like yeah like a an instagram reel like if it does maybe every now and then but if it doesn't pop off within like an hour or so like it's probably dead and a lot of people aren't going to see it i feel like a youtube video is so much different and one it doesn't even have to pop off it can become a resource right like I don't send clients a reel, but would I send them a 10 minute YouTube video, (laughs) Would I send them a 10 minute YouTube video on how to, um, you know, set up their financial operating system within their business. Sure. Like that could be really helpful. Um, And so I feel like that's where it's a little different. Like, even if it doesn't pop off, it could be a really valuable resource to show people how how to work with you.
0: So true. And and again, more so YouTube, but video in general, right? So like I wrote an article about 14 months ago on LinkedIn and it was accompanied by a video that is on YouTube, but I also um, put it in this article and uh, it talks about how to essentially make a 60 second about me video using a framework, but your own story. And it's great for you know, web pages that say about me, but there's no video there because there's so much more retention if they got something to watch, and get to know mm-hmm. you. And someone commented today 14 months later i was like man this is so helpful great article and it's like that lives it breathes it's searchable like people are still finding this that's incredible you know like for for something to be fresh and brand new to someone that i made almost a year and a half ago is crazy and i've been doing this forever and it still blows my mind when that happens i'm like yes extra you know like extra distance from an old video and that's why I say with business and professionals, um, entrepreneurs and stuff like that, it, it makes more sense even because a lot of what we're doing doesn't change a ton over time at its core. You can have videos four years old that do well because they're talking about the fundamentals of something that hasn't changed in 50 years. So you're safe. You know, I, I love that.
1: Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. All right. It was, as we start to wrap up, we kind of went down a couple rabbit holes, but I think it was so good. Um, I think people are going to listen to this and and want to learn more about your wizardry. So we're going to have to drop some uh, some links at the end and let them know where they can find out more. I am curious though, the, the two questions I asked people at the end of the show, what does intentional business mean to you? I feel like you might already kind of answer that with the entrepreneur, but uh, I'll ask you anyways. And then well, I'll get that answer and then we'll hit you
0: with the second question. Yeah. Oh, it's like, you know, that I'm not good at holding two questions and answering one at a time. <laughs> um, I, I love that we got to talk about the entrepreneur thing a little bit, because that's exactly what it means to me. So I used to have people on the show and they would hear about me or get introduced to me through someone or whatever. And they'd be like, you know, what are, what are the prerequisites to be on the entrepreneur show? I'm like, oh, well, you have to be an entrepreneur or a business owner or something. And you got to be doing it your own way. And it was such a relief to everyone because they're like, oh, I thought it had to be like I had to push against the status quo or whatever. I'm like, no, that's my job. You just need to be doing it your own way because I don't need another cookie cutter guest. And people love that because it gave them permission to do and share stories, you know, to do intentional things like you're talking about. So I feel like intentional business is uh, waking up with roughly the same goal every day at its core. And then making sure you're doing things that don't deviate too far from that. Mm. And I won't fully dive into it, but my solar system methodology, helping people wrap their head around their own content is really about that. There's your sun at the center. That's your big idea. Your North star, the thing you get up for every day. For me, that's helping entrepreneurs and professionals look and sound great on camera. That's what I'm waking up to. I don't make videos titled that, but that's the center gravity pull of everything else I create. So I feel like having that focus and really being, um, honed in on who it is you help and trying not to deviate outside of that too much, unless you're just having a little fun chasing squirrels on the weekend or whatever, with new software or whatever. That to me is intentional business because I don't pay attention to any noise. The only thing that I listen to is something that can help me get better at serving those exact people through the facilitation that I offer. So
1: that's so cool. I love that explanation and an example. You said something in there that I kind of just want to chime in on real quick. You said something about like giving people like permission to do it their own way. And so something I've been doing lately is so I have a 7-month old daughter and at, at first it was like okay, I need to make sure like you can't hear her on videos or like she's not showing up, you know, in the background of calls or like sometimes I would forget she has a toy back here cuz she's got a lot of toys in here and I would forget it was there and then I'd be like, oh shoot, like that doesn't look good. And then I just like, no, you know what? Screw that. I'm going to lean into this because Oh, well, one, I'm going to have more kids. (laughs) So this is going to keep happening over the next couple of years. And two, like, I didn't start my own business to like follow the corporate structure. So why would I hide from that? Right. Like, that's my life. I'm a young father, or I'm well, I'm young as well, but I'm a young father of young children. And there's so many other people who probably are hiding that or they're scared to show that. And so like, I call it the background baby. Like I just say background baby. And I'll like, I I try not to show her face too much, but like I'll have her playing behind me and just kind of take a screenshot and like put it on my story on Instagram, Be like background babies are normal around here. Right. And just kind of giving people permission. So just kind of piggybacking off what you said. Um, all right. What's, what's the best book you've read and why?
0: Uh, um, this one's a little trendy, but I always keep coming back to it. Um, and I'm sure you have a lot of people who say there's two. I feel like you stick say to one fiction. if you make me.
1: I feel like you're going to pick a fiction. <laughs> no. no, okay.
0: No, no. Um, I don't read that much fiction. Interesting. Obviously, okay. Or not obviously. Um, interestingly. Um. So so what I do is I read a book. I generally retain one main concept from it. And if I ever recommend that book to people, that's all I tell them. I don't know if this will help you or not, but this is the big chunk I got from it. Mm, if that okay. sounds like something you're interested in, let me know. Um so there's two answers but the main one is The One Thing, very trendy book, a lot of people know about it. But I don't recommend it cuz I think people should read The One Thing and then go implement all the stuff. I make my recommendations like I said by saying what's the next thing you can do that makes everything else you have to do either easier or obsolete. And just having that mindset like the frequency illusion again, what's the next thing I can do that is highest priority and makes other stuff easier or not even needing to be done cool that's the only thing I even remember from that book outside of a couple like metaphoric examples in there but it's the thing that helped me the most so I that's always stuck with me out of a lot of the books who's the author on that
1: can you remind us as
0: a it, uh, Keller it's a Gary dual Keller? authorship Keller's yeah oh. Keller's one of them yeah all
1: right so that's the one thing about the one thing and then you've got a second yeah. one <laughs>
0: Yeah. And uh, I, I don't recommend it a ton, but it holds kind of a special place. And it's the only time I've ever read a book and I can say it changed my life, which is like a really outrageous statement that people say a lot. <laughs> and the only reason that it changed my life is because of the timing and what was going on. So 2020, like many people, uh, me and my partner, Jax, she's a chef, is still a chef. Mm. We lost everything all at sure. once, like just whom. And so I went out into the Michigan wilderness to find myself and see what was next. I don't know. I was just trying to figure out life and i came out with a bunch of micro epiphanies um and i think part of some of the stuff i came out with was because i took a whiteboard a book and an old ipad with like 10 documentaries downloaded from netflix onto it and that was it and no again no intention i don't know what i was doing it's just i should probably take a book and i took um atomic habits and it wasn't on purpose it was just the latest book i read it's my favorite book but i tell you Taking atomic habits out into the woods when you're starting life from scratch again is a great time (laughs) to read that book and actually have your life changed by it. Because then I'm like, oh, man, this is all about like control, delete. So like, let's start building good habits now. And some of those micro epiphanies coming out of there were based on having read that book. I'm only going to work with people that excite me that I say hell yes to. I'm going to say no to people that I know are bad clients already. I'm going to get. I'm going to start, instead of having sales calls, I'm going to have disqualification call, calls, mm-hmm. and I'm going to try and get rid of everyone I can. And the only way we work together is if we're both excited about it. Those little things all came from, like, put your shoe on. That's the easiest way to start going to the gym. Yeah. Just put the shoe on put first. Put the shoe on and then don't was, even go. <laughs> yeah.
1: <right?
0: laughs> That's Mine how you start. <laughs> only talk to people that excite me that i could see like oh hell yeah i'd like to work with them so yeah those two are two big ones
1: dude i love that i've got it right back there um i used to have it i used to have it like on its own front and center but it's a holographic title so like it just gets blurry people can't Uh, even tell what it is like i used to have it where that plant is i didn't have the light there and it was just like front and center because it is when you said like yeah it sounds corny but it actually changed my life immediately in my head i went Atomic Habits. I, I was reading like once a year for a couple of years. Uh, I don't think I've read it yet this year, but maybe I'll have to dust it off. But for me, it was really powerful as well. Like I just love the idea of simplicity. And when yeah. I'm working with clients on like finances, it's like, just how can you take action like, cause a lot of financial advisors, it's, they want to give this like perfect optimal plan that considered all 4,000 variables that could happen in the next. All right. Well, it's like 4 million variables that could happen over the next five years or 20 plus years. And for me working with like young business owners, it's like, no, I just want to like what, like, what is the metaphorical, like just put your shoe on. Right. And then yeah. put your clothes out the night before, like what actions can they actually take to move forward because your future success is going to be defined by your present day actions. And so if we can never get you to take any actions, well, I don't care what your goal is. Like that's another thing I liked from it is that in this, I don't know if this is in the book, but it's definitely something James Clear said is like, um, I forget exactly how he says it, but essentially like goals don't really matter. Systems do, you know what I mean? And I love that. (laughs) And that's like anti-financial planning. Like, we talk about goals all the time and I still use the word goals, but at the end of the day, I like to turn that goal into a system. The goal is kind of the starting point. I'm like, all right now, like what can we, what actions can you take? Cause it's really the system that will um, lead to success. The example I used on a podcast recently was like, if you tell me, Hey, I want to save hundred thousand dollars this year, that's my goal. Or if you come to me and say, you know, I've got a $2,000 every week automatically going into my savings account. But I, but you don't really have a goal. You just, you've set that up to do that. Like which one's going to be more successful? Like the goal doesn't really mean anything until you've put something in place to do it. So that was a long rant, but yeah, I love that book too. You got me fired up with that. I
0: I love it. It, It's, it's one of the few too, because of the timing and the impact ahead of me where I remember more than one point from it. Right. So like the one I always go back to is the. Uh, the Great Britain cycling team and just getting 1% better, Mm -hmm. you know, every time because that so translates into video and it's such a easily recognizable type thing, you know, and um, it builds towards, you know, anything that makes a great habit, which um, in my world, if I, if I could share one more thing, um, please do. I could talk for hours,
1: but we'll (laughs) wrap it up after that. (laughs) Yeah.
0: It it, it ties into this, right? So like um, as simplistic and generic as my little tagline of, I help entrepreneurs and professionals learn how to look and sound great on camera is I toiled over it for months and months. Cause I wanted it to make enough sense without me having to be there to explain it. And so outwardly marketing and messaging, Oh, video for entrepreneurs. I'm an entrepreneur. I heard video is important, uh, help me learn how to look and sound great on camera. Okay, cool. This is a guy to talk to, to do that. The truth of that statement is after you've crossed the threshold onto my side, we're actually working together and like i said i always warn people i'm going to trick you into telling a great story you're going to become better on camera but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about equipment and your studio setup but i i know where we're going so now that you're on my side now learn how to look and sound great on camera changes to the real version which is my version from 15 plus years experience in storytelling my whole life and that is preparation presentation camera presence production distribution that all after an equal sign, is consistency. And that's the only lever we have to pull unless we got a huge budget as business owners with video. That's the only lever. There's little levers that appear after you get better, but that's the only one we can pull. And most people think consistency is willpower. And if we come back to Atomic Habits, we know that's BS. (laughs) So putting those micro 1% changes in place and putting another system in place in your business, just like you've done before with your other systems, then gives you the lever you can pull of consistency. And when you put stuff out consistently, then you actually see traction and results. So I love that book. I'm glad we got to talk about it a little bit.
1: Dude, so awesome. Anyone who's listening is definitely going to want to know where can they go to learn more? So how can people find you? How can they work with you? Like, how do you work with people? Drop all that before we wrap up, because I know people are going to be interested.
0: Yeah, I appreciate the platform first and foremost. Um, it always means a lot when someone lets me share what I'm doing, not just for business purposes, but for camaraderie and all the things that come with it, friendship and networking. Um, so I try to make it easy. Dan has links.com just has all my links. I'm um, everywhere. Uh, so if you can remember, dan has links.com, you can see everything there. Um, and Video for Entrepreneurs is the outward. So LinkedIn, YouTube, my newsletter, the website, Video for it's all under that, that one name. Um, And as far as working with me, we've tried to keep it real, real simple. I've got three products and they're all underpinned by our community. So there's always ongoing support and education, no matter what you buy from us. So you're never orphaned by the fact that you've worked with us. Like, here's your gear. You look and sound good bye. we will never, ever do that. Uh, So the first product is three hour studio. That's where we help you get the right equipment, set up your home studio, lights, camera, mic, background, all of that stuff. We take care of it for you and we do it remotely, which sounds hard, but it's actually not that bad at all. Um, The second is video content pros that happens in the community. And that's where we talk about like strategy and camera presence and you get better now that you got your gear figured out. And then the third, um, we're still friends and family right now, but rolls out publicly next month. It's called hot sauce editing. And that's a subscription based editing service where you give us all your stuff and one by one on a conveyor belt, we roll them back to you. So that way you can do what you're good at, which is share your expertise, knowledge, tutorials, whatever it is. And then hand off all the gross stuff (laughs) to me and my team. And then we hand it back in really good condition. Um, So those are the three products. They sound very linear. Get your stuff, get good on camera, then have someone edit it. Um, But people fall in multiple categories. They go backwards sometimes. There's all kinds of different ways that uh, people find us, you know, just like this. Just kind of sharing about storytelling because that's a big part of our education. So Appreciate you. Let me share all that. And uh, free strategy calls are always available on any product we have. So you're never coming to a sales call. You're just coming to find out if we can actually help or not.
1: Cool. We'll drop the links in the show notes as well. Dan, I really appreciate, really appreciate you coming on, sharing your story, talking about video, storytelling. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. You know, a lot of people probably say this, but it was one of my favorite ones so far and I've recorded (laughs) over a hundred episodes. So uh, a lot of fun. I really appreciate you coming on.
0: Hey, yeah, I I don't take that lightly. Like uh, we talked about off, re- off record. I had a show and I loved great guests. Uh, it makes it fun. And like I said, this is my last call today. So it was like recess from school. So <laughs> awesome. Had a blast. Thanks, Dan. Yeah.
1: Are you enjoying the new Intentional Profits podcast? If so, go ahead, leave us a five-star review and a written review and let us know what you think. And in the meantime, if you're interested in joining the waitlist for the Intentional Profits community, go to intentionalprofits.co and hop on the waitlist and you'll be one of the first to know about the Founders Discount and how to get started and when we are launching and going live. We'll see you next time.